the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. And welcome to your all-star break, your mid-season edition of The Dish on Clubhouse Conversation. In Vegas, they know these days is like the two worst days of the year on the Wednesday and Thursday between the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game. The only two days of the year, I believe, where you can't bet on a major sport. Not that I have a background in betting or anything, but there you go. All right, it's Davo with you on Clubhouse Conversation. I'm joined actually in studio this evening by Clubhouse Conversation insider Jake Lutz. How's it going, brother? Davo, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing fantastic. It's good to see you again. The last time... We spoke with you on The Dish. Uh, you had been uh, for a couple of weeks out in Surprise, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you and I talk all the time about the Royals after every series. But not all is on The Dish. So it's always good to, you know, for our busy schedules to get together and do our, our preseason, our midseason, and kind of our wrap-up each year on Clubhouse Conversation, Jake. So, uh, yeah, yeah, welcome back, I guess. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And it's been a, it's been a fun ride so far. <laughs> An interesting team, one. If it's their last... <laughs> Ride together. They're doing exactly what they've always mm-hmm. done, right? Kind of a kind of a bipolar, up and down on the roller coaster, real quick from one extreme to the other, uh, and that's kind of how this first half has been. So let's talk about it, Jake. We're going to talk about a lot today. We're going to talk about the first half and kind of recap it. We're going to talk about the second half, what's coming up, uh, where the Royals are, and uh, then of course we're going to talk about potential moves, some names we've heard, both that could be dealt and, and acquired. Uh, by the Royals, so I don't know how long this will end up being, Jake. You and I talk a lot. I'm guessing 45 <laughs> minutes to an hour is probably what we're in for here. So, lots of Sounds baseball. Sounds good. You ready to dig in? Yep, let's go. All right. So back when we last spoke, you and I both had the Royals winning the AL Central barely over Cleveland by about a game each. We were both. I think we both actually had the right. Royals a game within. I think I had them at 90, you had them at 89 or mm-hmm. 91 and 90, whatever it was, as far as win goes. So we we both had them holding off Cleveland by a game. And, you know, I even went as far, speaking of Las Vegas, to uh, put in a nice little Royals winning the division bet that will pay me very large amounts of money if the Royals do come back. I sound like the Pete Rose of broadcasting here, but if the Royals can come back and, <laughs> and acquire this AL Central, Jake, I'm going to be a very happy man. So, you know, I went from being 100% sure, as you were before the year, and even into, I would say, May 10th-ish, May 15th-ish, I was still steadfast the Royals are going to win this division, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, right around then, it just the stretch came where you start losing every day, every series, and key guys are hitting in the 100s, and some of your off-season pitching acquisitions, like your your Woods and your Hamels, are getting blown up all the time, and, and you start having some injuries. And, and Jake, I kind of gave up on the division at that point and, and said I was wrong. I, you know, I felt like an idiot. And then what, what does this team do? <laughs> of course, they get right back into it. So your thoughts on the first half of the season. The Royals are 44 and 43. They are... Three behind Cleveland. They're a half game behind Minnesota. They're only a game and a half out of the second wild card. As far as where they're at right now, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's pretty amazing where they're at, considering where they were, you know, in mid to late May. I mean, we definitely didn't see the season going like this. It was. It felt like everything that possibly could go wrong was going wrong earlier in the season, other than starting pitching, which has been pretty solid. But, you know, the, the bullpen at the start was a disaster. I mean, the lineup didn't do anything until June. Um, it's been a roller coaster. I mean, that's the best way to describe it for so far this year. But, you know, they got on track, and we saw what we thought this offense maybe could do. We saw that in June, and hopefully we'll see that the rest of the season. So it's been an interesting ride so far. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the bullpen being a disaster. I think back to being up in Minnesota on opening day, 
Yeah. You have what a one nothing <laughs> lead, I think it was, in the sixth or seventh inning, and you have Matt Strom can't find the strike zone, Travis Wood can't find the strike zone, and it kind of set the tone, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for the first month, month and a half of the season for the bullpen. And then of course the offense, you mentioned that. I mean, let's let's just be honest here, Jake. <laughs> the offense was unwatchable for a good yeah. portion of the first two months. That's not an exaggeration. I no. mean, it was unwatchable. The first couple I mean the balls weren't being being hit hard. Yeah, you know, or, or even put in play. Right. <laughs> I mean, the sad thing is, they're still, I believe, what twenty third out of thirty teams in strikeouts. So the Royals still aren't striking out anywhere close to the most mm-hmm. in baseball. But we're so used to them being, you know, the toughest team yeah. to strike out or in the bottom, the bottom third of it. That you know, it seems like a lot worse than it probably is. But yeah, you look at where they're at, Jake, and, and wow, it's it's pretty impressive how that that series in San Diego mm-hmm. got them right, and ever since then they've been cruising. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it started with that comeback in San Diego, and I believe it was the eighth inning with all the nine-run inning. And uh, ever since, the offense has been on fire. I mean, they've been firing on all cylinders. I mean, still, we're not getting much out of that DH spot, but every other spot has improved, and that's been a big reason why. I mean, the starting pitching has still been pretty steady, and the bullpen, you know, they've found stuff. At the start of the season, we thought Matt Strom was going to be a big part of it. I was very wrong about him. He, you know, was a disaster before he got hurt. But Mike Miner has been phenomenal. Way better than expected. So, I mean, he stepped right in and filled that role. So. We joked about him being in witness protection before the, the <laughs> yeah. season because, I mean, it was like people had forgotten he existed. Like, oh, at the end of last year and over the winter, nobody talked about him until about halfway through spring training. So, you know, it's good to see Mike Miner having a big impact. That's one guy that we kind of talked about as a wild card. And boy, oh boy, mm-hmm. as he's done great, we'll talk about him. In a little bit. So, I mean, as far as let's talk about the second half and, and starting. Like we said, they're the three behind Cleveland. And and that's one thing, Jake, that you and I, it's not so much that we thought the Royals were gonna run away with the division or anything, or that the Royals were this world beater team. I just think you and I both thought everything had to go right for Cleveland to have a similar type season. You saw a career year last year from Jose Ramirez. That has happened again. He's <laughs> yeah. maintained what he is, which is a bit <laughs> He's of a carried surprise. That offense. That's a bit of a surprise <laughs> to me. But we talked about a lot of things with Cleveland. We talked about how they're injury-prone, how guys like uh, Brantley and Kipnis were going to have to stay healthy, and Santana, and a couple of those guys have not been healthy at all this no. year. A couple of them have been struggling. Lind- Lindor's been a little bit disappointing for what maybe Cleveland fans expected. He's still a great player, but, you know, he's still very young, going to have a great career. But, you know, and then obviously the, the rotation for Cleveland has been, you know, you've got Salazar moved to the bullpen for a while. Mm-hmm. You've had Trevor Bowers got an ERA around five. Um, you know, you go through some of the other guys. Tomlin's been about what we thought he was, very questionable, very hit or miss. Fip doesn't like him. He's got even more regression coming, if that means anything. And, of course, Kluber's been great. That was a little bit of a question because you didn't know if you'd get the Cy Young Corey Kluber or the banged-up Corey Kluber from, you know, a while ago. Right. And uh, Carrasco's been a nice piece for them. And But, you know, we thought the bullpen might regress a little bit. It still hasn't. But, <laughs> I mean, don't you think, uh, with all that being said, the Royals are only three behind Cleveland. They're a half game behind Minnesota. Do you ever get frustrated? Because I find myself getting frustrated. I keep hearing all the pundits saying, well, are the Royals really going to go all in to win a wild card? Like, and I hear even some fans here locally. Why are we go- Why do they assume we're getting the wild card? Like, why- Don't you almost <laughs> think there's almost a better chance of us catching Cleveland than a wild card? I think, I think so, especially because there's so many teams bunched up in that wild card right. race. And I think, you know, I don't think any of them are really going away. That's going to be the harder route. I think the division is still wide open. And, um, you know, I don't see any reason why the Royals can't win this division because I don't, you know, Cleveland, for all the reasons you just said, the the rotation, they've had some injuries. It hasn't been as dominant as we thought. The bullpen's been great, but guys in that lineup aren't producing the way they did last year. And so I think the Royals have, you know, I, I agree. I think they're going for the division here. I mean, three games out here at the All-Star break, it's, it's right there for them. And speaking of uh, the Cleveland Indians, Offense, Jake, uh, what would you like to say about 
stacking them in fantasy baseball? How would you? What would you like to advise people? If people out there are playing DraftKings <laughs> or FanDuel or going to play some fantasy, what would you advise them about using Cleveland's hitters one through three or two through four in that lineup? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> It never it never works. Every ever, time ever. every time they're in a perfect spot, they don't score any runs. And then when so. you don't take them, they do, right? Yeah. <laughs> like against the Padres for two of those games. They get shut out by <laughs> Cahill, who we're going to talk about, and like six other guys from the Padres bullpen. So, yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit here. So we look at, at the second half then. So the Royals, um, we've detailed this quite a bit on the Twitter account. I appreciate you following us. At Royals Clubhouse, the Royals have 30 of their next 33 games against teams that are below 500. So 30 of 33. The only three that aren't are the Boston Red Sox coming here for a three-game series. So you have 30 of your next 33 against losing records. And then right after that, you have Cleveland. So this schedule, Jake, would you agree, is pretty well set up for them to control their own destiny. You've got some easy teams, and then you've got the team in front of you or tied with you by then or whatever head-to-head. Absolutely. I mean, and that's another reason I'm feeling pretty good about this team, that they can make a run here is – you know, they've played a pretty tough schedule in the time. I mean, other than that West Coast road trip, you know, that was a, you know, a, a nice schedule for them to get hot. But, you know, it hasn't been that easy of a schedule. Now they finally are going to get to play some of these teams that are, you know, more of the bottom feeders. That they, the last time they played some of these teams, like the White Sox and others, they, you know, were not playing good baseball. It didn't matter who they were playing. So now, you know, if they're playing good baseball, I think they have a good chance here to go on a run the next 33. It'd be nice if they could beat Detroit. They've really, yeah. really struggled. Fulmer's been. Dominant. I mean, hopefully Verlander gets dealt out of the division, but I don't. That would be nice. I don't see it happening. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a pretty messy contract. I mean, mm-hmm. it almost have to be somebody like the Dodgers who has yeah. that kind of money because I hear that the, the Tigers aren't willing to pay much, if any, of the deal. So as far as that goes, Jake. Then so let's just before we get into talking about some of the first half or second half moves, I should say, some of the the trade possibilities, some of the guys they should be targeting, some of our own guys. Before we talk about that. I want to ask you one other question about the second half. So let's assume the Royals didn't make a move. Let's just say they played this season out with what they have right now. And I need you to be honest. No sunglasses, no blue glasses, <laughs> no blue blockers, blue whatever they're called. So do you think the Royals could – I mean, they could. Do you think the Royals realistically will win this division if they don't make any moves, yes or no? I think it's going to be difficult because I yeah. think Cleveland will go out and probably and make a move, and I think we're going to have to, especially since we just don't really have a defined fifth starter right now. I mean, when you, you, tr- you can't count on Travis Wood. I know he's been better the last month. You but, can't even really count on Hamill. I mean, he's yeah, been better. Yeah, you just can't have you know a couple of those guys in your rotation. I, I think the Royals need to solidify the rotation and go out and get an arm. Okay. And um, I, I think they're going to need to make that move and probably a bullpen arm too. Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, they probably need <laughs> probably need to make a move if they actually want this division. Okay. All right. Now we'll get into the moves like we talked about here in a bit. The second half in the second half, but the second thing I want to get to right now is uh it's kind of go through this team as it is now and recap the first half. So let's start off with the the starting rotation. Uh let's give you some numbers here. Jason Vargas, of course. Nice seeing him, by the way, get a, a nice scoreless inning in the all star game last night. Nice play by Mookie Betts out there. Um, in center field. So Vargas, 12-3 and three with a 2.62. Very interesting. Obviously, neither you or I or anybody, probably even he didn't expect to be sitting 12-3 <laughs> and three with a 2.62 at the All-Star break. Jake Phipps still says, and ex-Phipp, you know, which I find I'm starting to really fall in love with them more and more the last mm-hmm. few years. I understand them more. I kind of say about a run and a half, two runs of regression are coming in that ERA, a lot largely based on the stranding, you know, the stranded runner rate and, and the fact that he's not striking as many guys as is normally a guy with that ERA would have, you know. But yeah. what are your thoughts on, on Vargas in the second half? 
I mean, I think there definitely is a little bit of regression coming, hopefully not too much. But, um, you know, he's he's a fly ball pitcher, and he can still use our ballpark to his advantage. I think he'll still be pretty pretty good in Kauffman, but against the teams that have a lot of power right-handed bats is where he's probably going to struggle when he's on the road. And I think we'll see him more, maybe more of what we kind of expected out of him. You know, it's going to regress, but hopefully not, you know, I don't know, anything worse than like, the ERA has been ridiculous the first half. What do you, you know, think? something maybe a three and a half or four, you know, something in that range. Three seven five maybe is what we expect for the yeah, year. yeah. I think so. Three I six. think you'll see it fall off a little bit. But as long as he can keep us in games and give us six strong innings, you know, even if he's given up three runs or so, I think this offense is going to get hot enough where we can still, you know, be pretty successful when he takes the mound. Absolutely. And you, let's go through some more guys here. Danny Duffy, obviously, getting back to our first half, you know, or our season long preview. We didn't expect him to, you know, go out and miss a month of the season, five weeks, whatever it was. But five and five with a three point seven six is where he's sitting. Ian Kennedy has been disappointing due to his injury as well and didn't get any run support if you think back to the first month, month and a half of the season. Three and six with a four four five for him. And then the other two guys that were brought in that we mentioned have been very disappointing. I mean, both Jason Hamill and Travis Wood to their credit have pitched much better recently and have definitely been a part of this team. Uh, getting back into things. And Hamill, really, I, I should have broken down his last five to seven starts. He's been really good. But overall, mm-hmm. four and eight with a 504, Wood, one and two with a 606. When, when I mentioned those names, you know, I guess we both kind of agree that both Hamill and Wood can't both stay in the rotation if this team is going to get where they need to get, probably. But so let's yeah. kind of exclude them. I think we both kind of hope that whoever, uh, Hamill, I'm assuming, will be in there the whole year. Well, we, I think we both kind of so. hope he just improves maybe to get to like a four six. If he's at a 504 right now, is that pretty fair for him? Maybe a half run improvement? Yeah, I think so. It's definitely doable, especially if he continues what he's done. You know, the last six or seven starts, mm-hmm. other than a few outliers in there, he's been it's amazing pretty since solid. He's gone to the stretch, and, and that breaking ball's mm-hmm. been, the slider's been so much better uh, for him. But the guy, the two guys I want to talk to you about, and maybe one in particular, Duffy, but t- to a larger extent, Ian Kennedy is sitting at three and six with a 445. I think maybe I expected. Throw out, throw the wins out the window. The wins is useless. I just put that on there because it's, everyone <laughs> talks about it. So we'll ignore the wins. But four and a half ERA for Ian Kennedy. We know what he is. You know, he's an innings eater when all goes well. He'll throw too many pitches sometimes. He can get strikeout upside. And, of course, he's going to give up home runs as well. Hopefully he doesn't walk guys. Uh, Ian Kennedy, your thoughts on where he's at? Obviously, he's not going to opt out after this year. We talked about that before the year. He does have an opt out. But I'm sure he'll be back for the final three years of his deal. But where do you see him going in the second half? Do you feel comfortable where he's at? Do you think he's healthy? And do you think he'll have a good second half? You know, I th- I think he is getting healthy, and I, I ex- actually expect him to have a better second half than he did the first. I mean, there was a stretch there in May where he was just horrible. I think it was right around the time of that injury, too. But, um, you know, we, we've seen that he's been a little bit better his last couple starts. You know, he had that really good outing in L.A. and um, against the Angels, not the Dodgers. That outing wasn't bad either. But I, I, think, I think Ian Kennedy is the one guy in this rotation who we're going to see improve in the second half. I just I like what I've seen from him the last month. I agree. I predicted big things for him coming into the year. I was, I, I was thinking I had you know, back to the stupid win thing. But I you know envisioned a mid to upper threes ERA and fifteen, kind of what Vargas is. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I envisioned out of Kennedy. What Vargas will end up being this year is you know you and I both think he'll probably him. He may end up winning nineteen twenty games. Honestly, he's got twelve wins. I would hope so. Yeah. But I think we both envisioned uh, Kennedy is a mid three type ERA pitcher. So hopefully he'll get there. Now you mentioned let's go to the bullpen. Now you mentioned a guy earlier. Let's start with Mike Miner. I mean, a guy that you and I had been wondering if he'd ever pitch, right? <laughs> mean, if he existed, we didn't know if he moved to Wyoming and was in witness protection like that one movie that was awful a few years ago. I forget what it was called. But uh, Mike Miner, 35 games this year out of the Royals' bullpen, Jake, and he's been fantastic. 43 and a third innings. He's even striking out 
uh, better than a hitter per inning. He struck out 46 and 43 and a third. And, of course, the ERA is very important, 1.87. Your, your thoughts on Mike Miner? I mean, he's been phenomenal this year. I remember when I saw him back in February, the first time he threw this spring, and I was like, I, he threw a couple innings, looked really solid, and I, it was the first time we'd seen him since he'd been in a Royals uniform. And he, I know he was hitting like low to mid-90s on the gun that day, and he's been consistent all season. And he's a guy who, when he comes out of the pen, you're feeling pretty good. Whatever the spot is, we're in the game, whether we're tied up by a run, you're feeling pretty good that he's going to hold it down. And we needed someone in this bullpen to step up and be able to do that, along with Sori and Herrera. So... Mike Miner's been a surprise. He's been phenomenal, and hopefully he can continue it in the second half. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been kind of an unsung hero, as has another lefty in the bullpen. Of course, Scott Alexander, uh, 23 games in the first half, a guy that spent uh, quite a bit of time in Omaha. Uh, a 2-1-6 ERA, 33 in the third innings, 27 Ks. I mean, Alexander, of course, had a, a very difficult outing on Saturday um, against the Dodgers, but uh, you know, did get squeezed a little bit, I thought. But overall... Mm-hmm. Um, has been absolutely fantastic. Those pair of lefties out there, Jake. Uh, you know, Scott Alexander, a guy I think the Royals can really lean on in the second half. And maybe before the year, maybe he's having the kind of year I expected out of Brian Flynn. You know, I thought I've always been a big Brian Flynn guy. Of course, he you know fell through his barn. That's not a joke. He really did fall through his <laughs> barn and break some vertebrae. And he's back with Omaha, not throwing the ball well. Uh, getting a little better recently. I've, I've read some decent reports of him, but uh, Alexander, Jake, and, and Miner. I mean, the makings of a uh, really good southpaws out there. For yeah, the it's it's nice to have two good lefties in that pen. And Alexander, I mean, he's he's been like a fireman this year at times too. He's come in some tough situations, giving us some big innings when Probably our like starters. Moylan, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Peter Moylan, Moylan been fireman. Yeah, don't don't look at that Moylan ERA because it's not telling at all of the truth. Had, <laughs> he's been fantastic he's this year. outings in like all but four. Well, he had that one outing in Tampa that yeah. where he gave up over half his runs. Yeah, and there were so. some bad breaks on that one too. Um, there was an, actually a ball that should have been an error. I forget mm-hmm. who, but it ended up being like three and runs extra. I forget who it was against. But um, now a guy the Royals went out and picked up who is almost like a trade deadline acquisition. That's Neftali Feliz. He's only been in seven games so far. But, I mean, he's basically free. The Brewers are paying the majority of his contract. The Royals is paying the league minimum for him. So 2.57, the stuff is still there. We're seeing him, what, sit in the 95 to 96 range, maybe top out at 98. Uh, the stuff is certainly still there. He's got the experience. Not even 30 yet? Is that right? I mean, just, Some of these guys like him. <laughs> he's been and, in the league for a while. I, and I, I, I still can't believe Carlos Santana is only 31. I thought that guy was like 50. Like, <laughs> some of these guys, man. But, but uh, Feliz, should we believe in this, Jake? I mean, I'm... I'm a bit skeptical. We've seen Dave Island be a magician before, going back to Jeremy Guthrie, is a, a common uh, guy that's pointed out. But, I mean, you can go to Irvin Santana. There's been a lot of guys that have really turned things around here. Yeah, and Feliz has the stuff, so you know it's there. It's just whether he com- can command it or not. I mean, his problem has always been walks. I mean, he's so as long, as long as his control is there, I mean, he's got the stuff to strike out guys, and it'll be interesting. I'm interested to see what he can do the second half. We've only gotten to see a couple weeks of it, and he's been pretty solid. But as long as the command's there, you know, he's got that power fastball and a really good changeup, too, to where I think he could be he could be a, a, a really important piece out there in the pen this second half. The bullpen's very interesting to me. You've got a couple of the guys to talk about. Kevin McCarthy, he's been very good, actually. Ten mm-hmm. games, 2.57 ERA. He's kind of the uh, mop-up type guy, and that's a pretty darn good mop-up guy to have out there. You know, Absolutely. Sits in the low 90s good, with good action on the pitches, good depth, and a two-and-a-half ERA in ten games. And, uh, and then, of course, you've got – Joaquin Soria, you've got uh, who's been very good, by the way, three point four one. I feel like he's pitched better than that. Forty eight Ks and you know in thirty seven innings, so that's very good for Soria. Herrera's really struggled. I mean, the, the the thing that's interesting to me about the bullpen, Jake, is like I feel like the way you know it's it's a good bullpen. It, it already has kind of come together, but don't you feel like 
they almost don't have defined roles now. Like, I, like yeah. that's both good and bad. Believe me, I'd rather have HDH. Right. A, a great, that, but, I mean, you, you got to be realistic. That doesn't exist. Like, that's like a once-in-a-generation for a team. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like, you know, even I, I, you know, it's, it's almost nice to have Cleveland's bullpen where you've got – defined roles are great. I, I'm saying that. I, like, I'm admitting that. But at the same time, I also feel very comfortable about this bullpen because I feel like they don't have defined roles because they're all equally pretty good. And I think there's a lot of upside here. So, my question for you is – What's the leash like on Herrera as closer right now? I mean, you know Ned is loyal to a fault, but you also know he's loyal to Soria. Soria has closed in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a chance we could see Soria and Herrera flip-flop, and do you think there's a chance somebody like Mike Miner could even at some point move up into the eighth inning or you know, or, or somebody they acquire, or a Feliz or whatever? I think you could see it. I think Herrera would have to blow up you know, several times early on in the second half for them to make a move, but I think Ned would, if he's forced to make that move, he will. And I, you know, it could be Soria. You could Miner could slide back into the eighth. I, I need to see a little bit more out of Herrera because most of his bad outings have been when he when the game has not been on Non-same the line. Situations. Yeah, a lot of it's been a few tie games, but it's also been games where he's been down one or two and he's just exploded. He's been pretty good actually when he's been in the save situation. So I'll be interested to see with Herrera. And also, he's been getting beat on his off speed stuff all yeah. year. That's mainly where his problem's been. So. Um, I think they could make the move, but I, I think it would take you know a couple blowups in a in within the span of like a week or two for for Ned to start considering so that. that. Doesn't happen. Yeah, I hope not either. This team, I mean, the one thing we'll say, you know, we t- we talked about a while back that you know they had almost no margin for error. They had to get keep this team together by getting to this point in good shape, which they are. So now they've hit their kind of their first deadline, which is get back in it before the trade deadline, so you can keep the team together. But now they've got to make another run. You know, there's not a lot of margin for error. They, they basically had to make two runs: one to get back to 500. Keep your team together. Now they got to make one more to get to postseason. And obviously, to get there, Jake, you're going to have to have a bullpen that's consistent. You can't afford to blow games, you know, in the eighth and ninth inning when you get a lead. Those are backbreakers. And the Royals have, you know, blown more this year than it seems like the last 20 years after being spoiled all these years, you know. But another yeah. good thing is that Dayton Moore is all has built good bullpens, you know. So going back. So I like that as well. Now let's talk about the lineup here. Um, kind of go by, I've got about six or seven guys here highlighted. Eric Hosmer. Uh, a guy that I called for my breakout player of the year, would you know, for the 30 home runs, I don't think that's going to quite happen. I keep it's two years in a row, and I picked it. I guess it's not going to happen <laughs> unless he goes on some barrage. But he's sitting at 12 and 42 with an 867 OPS, playing Gold Glove caliber defense. I don't care if the metrics and you know, no. <laughs> try to say he's the worst fielding first baseman. Blah blah blah. He is a fantastic fielding first baseman. You can see that if you watch the games with your eyes and you know aren't in your computers during the game. But he's been very good. Uh, Moose equally as good, Jake. So you got the 867 OPS from Haas, 863 from Moose, 25 and 54. The obvious question, the answer is yes, I'm sure. He will break the record if he's a Balbonis, if he's healthy, right? Yes. How many will he hit, Jake, and when will he break the record? If he's sitting at 25 right now, give me a date and give me how many he'll get for the season. Date for for the record? I don't know. He may do it by, before September. I think he will, too. I think he could. I think and um, or so of I, I think he's going to hit over 40. Yeah. I think he's going to be in the low 40s probably at the end of the year. Yeah, that's uh, Yeah, I'll go ahead and say 42 for mine. Okay. That's what I'll go with. But I go 42, 43 as well. Yeah, but I think it's definitely going to happen. And, and hopefully we'll see some more pop out of Hosmer in the second and the, half, too. And it's getting hot, too. The ball jumps yes. in the summertime, you know. So this is a good time of year for him to go on another binge. He, I mean, I, it would not <laughs> – I'm not predicting it, but it would not shock me if he teases 50 and makes a, makes a run at 50. No, it wouldn't surprise me either the I way mean, he's swinging the bat. I mean, if he comes on a 10-game homestand out of the break against, you know, some very mediocre pitching, although we'll see some pretty good pitching against Texas. But, you know, not their bullpen, but their starters. But, you know, so if you, you get what I'm saying. If he comes home and hits – you know, three or four jacks on this homestand with the ball flying out of the ballpark and gets in some good favorable hitting conditions on the road. I mean, 
Who's mm-hmm. to say he couldn't tease 50 if he's sitting at, you know, 32 on August 1st? Yeah, no, I could definitely see it happen, and I think he could get off to a hot start here because it's going to be hot here tonight for this yeah. homestand. Yeah, very <laughs> much so. Salvador Perez, I think better than probably we expected. Um, 850 with 18 and 57, you like his approach. I mean, he's still free, you know, free-swinging Salvi, but I feel like he's refined it a little bit. Yeah, he's been great. Just the question is whether he can put it together for a whole season or not because the second half's usually where he starts to struggle a little bit and kind of just gets a little bit overanxious, but his approach has been much better. You see what happens. Anytime he gets a favorable account, it seems like he just crushes a ball. And, um, you know, it was, it, he's seen more, a few more pitches at least. Free swinging still some, but you got to love what you've seen this why year do, so far. Why do pitchers <laughs> insist on getting two strikes and throwing him fastballs? I don't know why anyone ever throws do him a fastball. Do these guys not have scout, like, pre-series <laughs> meetings? Do they not read scouting reports? Do they not have advanced scouts? Well, it's crazy. I, you see him chase several pitches in a row out of the zone and foul him off. fastball and, yeah. the belt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like... Can't, can't retire him, so then they're like, fastball down the middle's the way to go. I mean, he, <laughs> he kills fastballs. It's yeah. it's crazy to me. It, it's pretty, I, I do think, and I want to give Ned Yost some credit, I do think they're doing a much better job at wrestling in this year. And, you, and some of that's because mm-hmm. they've matched Drew B. Terry with Jason Hamill, and we've seen Hamill have a lot more success since then, although Salvi caught him in a pretty good game um, on Friday night in L.A. But, uh, you know, I, I do think Salvi's – I don't have the exact numbers, but I know he's probably – I would guess he's probably played about – I bet if you looked, he's played five less games the first half than he did last year. I would year. guess so, yeah. That sound about right? I would guess so, and it's, it's the only advantage to not having Kendris Morales is that he's been able to DH a right. lot more right. without that full-time DH, so. Yeah. Well, Lorenzo Cain, I mean, carried – to me, people <laughs> ask me back on that on that you know, San Diego and San Francisco, L.A., that, that – First West Coast trip in early June that got us started, Jake. People ask me, what do I think the key was to this team? And I said Lorenzo Cain got going. He put him on their back, and then whenever he starts hitting, it seems like the rest of the team just calms down. Overall, for him, first half is positive. It's good. I wouldn't call it great. I mean, he had a really great stretch. The 11 home runs are great. He's going to hit career-high home runs this year. You know, Should hopefully hit 20, get 20-plus. He's going to steal 30 bags, most likely He's sitting at 15. 782 is very good. I mean, it's a very good first half. I'm not saying that, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, I, I think I, what I'm saying is I think there could be a, a better things in store for the second half. Yeah, I think so too. Because I mean, he, that week in June, he, I, I don't, he's a streaky hitter. I don't think I've ever seem like seen half those stats yeah. came in that one week. Yeah, <laughs> half the homers did <laughs> over half did. of them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him have a, that hot of a streak right there. Because we just know he's a, another two or three homers. Yeah, we know track. he's a streaky hitter, and um, you know, he he goes through some some weeks where he's not hitting for any power at all. Um, but I, I think you'll see him catch a few more hot streaks the second half, and I, I do think he's going to get to that 20 home run number this year. Good, good. And then three guys that are kind of fruits of, of labor for Dayton Moore and J.J. Piccolo and Scott Sharp and you know Renee Francisco, on and on and on, the, the great job they do with the uh, Royals organization in drafting, signing, developing. Um, and, you know, of course, a couple, one of, two of these guys are, are byproducts of the Royals International program in the Dominican Academy down there. But, you know, how exciting is it to see Jorge Bonifacio, Whit Merrifield, Ramon Torres come up. Bonifacio, 11-27 and 27 at 770. Merrifield, 769 uh, with 733 and 14. So that guy that if you played every day could steal 30 bags and hit 14 home runs, 15 home runs. Uh, and Ramon Torres has given you very good at-bats. I've been very impressed. He's only overmatched by one pitcher, and that's Kershaw, and a lot of guys are overmatched <laughs> by Kershaw. But he's given them some good at-bats. You know those three. That, that, those are all pretty, uh, pretty exciting stories. You got to figure. Uh, I guess my, the one I'm most excited about is Bonifacio. I don't think any of us saw this happening before September at the earliest. We thought, I, I, don't, don't yeah. you? Did you think coming in it would be? You know, you, you figured Soler and Moss would be one corner outfield spot, and Kane and Gordon. You probably thought, you know, thought maybe in the second half if they weren't out of it, he'd come up, or maybe the year after this, or maybe <laughs> they'd deal him for a, 
a you know a player. How surprised are you by Bonifacio, and and uh, is it real? I think so. I mean, his approach at the plate has been phenomenal. I mean, he looks like a seasoned hitter up there. He does not chase pitches very often, and that's nice to see in a lineup that you know we have a lot of free swingers in this lineup, and he really works the count and is really a pretty good fit in that two hole right now. And it's just crazy to think about because we never would have expected to see him before September at the beginning of the year, especially not starting every day in the two-hole. And not hitting like <laughs> he is. Yeah, know. I know. I mean, he, This he's, is a guy who didn't really hit home runs before last year, but he's always no. been so young for every level he's played at in the minor Right, leagues. yeah, and I, I think it is for real, and it's exciting for the future of this team to see what he's done so far this year. Um, I'm interested to see if, you know, pitchers are going to start adjusting more. I think, Tim, there's going to be more scouting reports on him. I think they already have to agree. And, and yeah, a little bit, and I think he's handled it well. I mean, he just... I've just been impressed with his plate appearances, not chasing I think, I think pitches. He's legit. I think so too. I think that's a guy the Royals could, you know, pencil in for four or five years. Yeah, in the no, it's I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting what he's done. He's yeah. he's been a big part of this. Now, the, you know, the three that have been kind of disappointing, obviously, well, four with Jorge Soler, Jorge Soler, Brandon Moss, Alex Gordon, Alcides Escobar. None have an OPS above six fifty seven. Escobar and Gordon have been much better. I'll give Moss. Some credit. Moss has drawn drawn two big walks that were part of two big <laughs> rallies in the eighth inning, right? I mean, they've led to wins in the last two weeks, so give him credit for that. Um, Gordon is starting to drive the ball a bit more and look like Alex Gordon, which is nice. I'm, I, I I figured he would because he's you know he's mm-hmm. keeps himself in tip top shape and he's not that old. You know, thirty three, just turned thirty three. He's not that old. So you know, and Escobar, I feel like he's really starting to steady and and you know, and I I, I just feel like he's gonna have a good second half. I think he's finally. We talked about before the year how he always every year insists on trying to hit <laughs> ten home runs. I don't know why they keep entertaining this and let him get away with it, but you know, it's nice to see him kind of playing within his own now. Yeah, Escobar, I mean, you know, he had a really good June, and it's he's basically changed his approach. You saw him kind of hitting a ton of fly balls and pop-ups early in the year. Trying to pull then, everything. Yeah, and then it was like June, all of a sudden he turned back to the hitter that he actually is, a guy who goes the other way a lot, can hit the ball to all fields, Put the ball and is just putting the change. ball in play and putting the bat on it. And, um, yeah, he. I think hopefully we'll see more of what we've seen the last month from Escobar and as far as the other guys, too, I mean, I think Alex Gordon's definitely going to have a better second half. It'd be hard not to. <laughs> but right. um, he, I, I do think, though, I've, we've seen signs the last month from him, too. He has been driving the ball better. He seems to be seeing the ball a little bit better, having better plate appearances. So I, I think we're going to see better second halves from them, and that could carry, you know, really help out this offense. Have we seen the last of Brandon Moss as an everyday option are they going to give him one more shot or is it just going to be kind of a hit or miss type thing with him yeah i'm interested to see what they're going to do with him and Solaire here i would assume just continue to rotate them with lefty righty matchups um but it would be nice if one of them could at least you know start hitting a little bit so that we could get someone in there a little bit more consistently but neither one seems to want to step it up i mean brandon moss is a streaky hitter too He's only had, like, one hot streak this year that lasts about a week where he hit some homers. Like, four games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he hasn't had many of them. <laughs> but um, ho- hopefully he can get hot at some point. And because in the past past years, he's been like that where he's had he's a couple— He's a multi-dong guy. Yeah. yeah, he's a guy for a couple of weeks where he's homering, you know, every other day. Yeah. So hopefully one of them can figure it out. because or both. Yeah, or both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Solaire, how, how concerned are you about him? I guess my concern level to him is at a five. I will say he's been much better defensively than I expected from what I, I heard. Yeah. He looks, he looks, I mean, he looks like he's an average major league outfielder, maybe even plus some of the time. You know, I haven't seen too mm-hmm. much of the arm, but the range looks a lot better than I expected. Bonifacio has been much worse kind of than I expected <laughs> defensively. He's been a stud offensively. Um, but, I mean, so later I'm kind of at a five on him, Jake. I feel like we got to give him one more 
you know, season, you know, kind of full of bats where he's not hurt. I know I do know the MO has always been that he's always hurt. I get that. So maybe you, you could say maybe he'll never be healthy. But, you know, where are you at with him? I mean, I still need to just see consistent at-bats out of him because we really haven't seen that yet to really get a read on how he is. I mean, I'm still optimistic that in the years down the road, hopefully he'll be a big-time power hitter. But we just got to see more consistent at-bats from him. I need to see more from him. And I have been impressed with him in the outfield, just like you. He's a very athletic guy for as big as he is. Yeah, so much better know. than advertised. Mm-hmm. Now, the last portion of this, I guess, is kind of adding because I think we both obviously know the trade deadline's coming up or whatever, what's today, the 14th, 13th? Or so we're about, what, two and a half weeks away Yep. Uh, from the deadline or 18 days, I believe. Um, so I think we can both agree, Jake, in order of what the Royals need. Number one, a starting pitcher. Yep. Number two, one to two, probably one solid bullpen arm. Number three, potentially one at one bat, you know, whether it be somebody that can DH or, you know, even if you shore up that bench with with a weapon, I mean they do have some guys like Billy Burns and, and Terrence Gore. They could, they could come up and do one thing in September and October if they had to, and steal bases. So they don't exactly have a ton of roster room in right. a lot of ways. Because in that bullpen, I mean we talked about it. Who are you going to cut? I mean they don't have to cut anybody. I and mean, they can send McCarthy back to AAA. He's got options. Uh, you know certainly he'd probably be the first one to go. But yeah, you know you look at that. And but even on the bench, I mean Cuthbert's got no options. He'll have to be back activated here in about a month. He's got about twenty eight days. Um, you know, so you're gonna have to bring him up before September 1st. So mm-hmm. unless he gets dealt, yeah. So it just, I just kind of wonder. But I, I, you agree with me though? It's starting pitcher, bullpen, offense in that order. Yeah, that's the exact order I've got. Okay, and then let's go over some of the names that Jake. This is kind of fun. The first one that's been a recent thing, and and I will not that it's any you know major confirmation, but I can confirm from a couple of people I know within the organization that they have been targeting D Gordon. I can also confirm somebody somebody that knows D Gordon. Um, that he is very interested in playing here. Um, you know, his dad is Tom Gordon, um, yep. great Royals pitcher, and D knows how much Tom adored Kansas City and knows he was very good here. And D's asked plenty of questions to people about what it would be like playing in Kansas City. So I can confirm that he is very interested, and in they, you know, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a question of them being interested. The Royals are, but he's very interested. Now he's 29 years old. He signed through 2020 with a 2021 team option. So you're getting him for three years plus an option which has some buyout money there. He's going to be owed, give or take, around $30 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So an all-star in 2014 and 2015, then he gets busted with the 81-game PED. The power goes away. This year, 701, so not particularly good OPS-wise. I mean, we mentioned uh, Whit Merrifield just a few minutes ago. It was 769. So Whit is, what, 68 OPS points above <laughs> D. Gordon. D. Gordon's got... 32 stolen bases, 32 out of 38, but Witt's got 14 stolen bases. So, I mean, and Witt's got more power. Um, D. Gordon does fit the mold and that he doesn't strike out, doesn't walk a lot. Um, I guess my my first question, and the other guy with the Marlins, you keep hearing rumored they'd package D. Gordon with David Phelps. The Marlins, of course, about to go through a sale. They want to shed some payroll. David Phelps is a 30-year-old right-handed reliever, only owed about $2.3 million. He signed through this year. Um, last year, 64 innings, 114 Ks with a 2.28. This year, 41 appearances, 48 Ks, and 44 innings is a 3.68. So you're paying about $2 million for David Phelps You know, if you would go there and, and kill two birds with one stone. First of all, I, I think David Phelps is, I don't know, $2 million seems a little steep unless they're yeah. going to cover it, and, but I don't really want to give up much. That just There seems like this, there's a guy later we can talk about that I think is a better fit. But focusing on D. Gordon, Jake, I mean – Two questions for you. Number one, he's got the name. He's a yeah. two-time All-Star. He's got the the past. 
you know, maybe coming here reawakens him and he plays a little bit better, gives him a spark, fits in well with the team chemistry. But Witt already is doing those things, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, the, the contract for D. Gordon. I mean, if, if you if you want the Marlins, the Marlins are going to want the Royals to cover at least half of that money. Yeah. And if, so if the Royals do that, A, you're giving away – you got to go with some decent prospects to get him first of all, but B, if you're paying a decent amount of money for him, at what point do you say I don't want to give D Gordon money because I want to try to sign Lorenzo Cain, Eric Hosmer, and Mike Mustakas? I guess what are your thoughts on D Gordon? Because I'd be excited if they pulled the trigger, but I don't know if it's just because it's a sexy name and they're doing something, or if they actually need him. Do they actually need him? And what are your thoughts on it? I kind of have the exact same thoughts you really did. Is I don't know if they actually do need him just because of how productive Witt's been at second base, and if you do get D Gordon, you're going to give up a lot. You're probably, you know, not going to be able to sign some of those guys next year, or at least have even a chance to. And um, you're just gonna, it's gonna be put them in a tough situation, I think. And you're gonna have to figure out where, well, where's Wick gonna play? Is he gonna be not an everyday player anymore? Is he gonna play right field, left field, maybe some? I guess they could figure that out. He can rotate around where he could play a different position. But I, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily the biggest need for what they're gonna have to give up and the salary they're gonna have to take on. I like the idea. I would love to see, you know, Decorn at the top of that order. With the speed he's got, you know he can fly. But um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be. I don't know if it's the best move or not. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that too. And it just seems like with with D Gordon, um, it just seems unnecessary. Yeah, at this point. agreed. Like, I mean, do the Royals really need? You know, <laughs> I think another I mean, second baseman. I mean, if you if you only have so many bullets too, Jake. That's the other thing to think about. I mean, after you you know literally dealt the farm to get Cueto and Zobrist, and you've had some other first round guys not turn out how you. We're hoping, I mean, Ash Russell walking away from baseball after, what, nine professional outings is discouraging. Owen Watson has struggled. Starling has struggled, been better. But, I mean, just some misses. Zimmer can't stay healthy. Some misses and, and trading guys. You only have so many bullets. I mean, you've only right. got probably one big move they can make. Yeah, agreed. And Don't and, you want the starting pitcher and or yeah, bullpen before yeah, that? Yeah, because I think you need that. That's the need you have. You don't have even have the roster space for really another guy, right. another bat. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's more the focus. So, D. Gordon, you're take him or leave him. You're kind of... I'm leaning no. I just don't see I am the need. Too. I just I mean, don't see the need. I, mean, I don't either. I, I would be interested if they did make the move, you know, and pulled the trigger. But I, yeah, I, I don't think it's a necessary. I'd be move frustrated for, for Wit too. I mean, it, yeah, absolutely. They seem to just do whatever they can to not give him the job. I mean, <laughs> coming out of spring training, you and I both talked about how exciting it was the range minus he would provide on defense. But I don't think we ever thought he would be so overmatched at the plate where they had right. to get him out of there. And it's too bad because it wasn't his fault. You know, if the guys at the top of the order in the middle of the lineup are doing their job. You can carry one guy like that mm-hmm. at the bottom of your order. But when you've got, you know, five out of nine guys that are hitting like pitchers, they had to do something there. And it's just <laughs> frustrating when you look back at all the close losses they had in April and you've got a guy, Whit Merrifield, hitting upper 300s in Omaha and you know, already experienced and more polished and not overmatched. So, I don't know. Different different grip for a different day. But it just it seems almost like they want to force feed us Mondesi and they don't want to give Whit the job for some reason. But this could all just be BS. But I do know that they are interested in him. They have been for a long time. As far as them actually making a move, though, that could just be speculation. I know nothing about yeah. that. So, All right, next guy I want to talk about, Pat Neshek. We talked about David Phelps. Fine. He's fine, but, do you, I mean, if they're covering the money and he's a toss-in, okay. Otherwise, I like, I love, not like, I love targeting Pat Neshek. And, uh, kind of a, another Peter Moylan, though, right? I mean, kind of the same, same mold. Neshek's got a little bit better stuff. Both just absolute murderous against right-handed hitters, although I think Nishek has decent reverse splits too. But Nishek's in the last year of his deal, Jake. He's 36. He's owed around $3 million, so he'd be fine. Um, you know, I, Would I rather pay David Phelps 2.3 or Nishek 3? Probably Nishek. Nishek was an all-star this year, a two-time all-star. Um, 1.27 this year. 
in 38 innings. Um, Pat Neshek, what do you think? I mean, he's my number one guy for for a reliever. Yeah, I love him. You know, I, I loved watching him pitch in, back in March in the World Baseball Classic. He's a guy who's pitched in the postseason before with the Cardinals, and he's a guy who <laughs> I think would fit in very well, a really fiery guy when he's on the mound, guy who gets excited. So, I and I, and I love his stuff, too. I mean, he's been, you know, his numbers are very similar to what they were with St. Louis in 2014, about the same ERA, almost exactly. Um, I think he'd be between him and Moylan, having both of them out there to match up with right-handed hitters, I mean, I think he'd be a really nice fit for this bullpen. You've got one every day fresh and available. Yeah. They can make them both go two out of three days, really. So literally every day you'd have them, you know, and some days you'd have them both. I mean, what a bullpen you'd have out there. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you think about them adding a bullpen piece, like, you know, like yeah. if Feliz is, you know, let's say he is a three ERA pitcher from here on out. You have a Feliz to go along with Moylan and Neshek, let's say, or Phelps. Then you add in Herrera and Soria and Alexander and uh, Miner. That's that's a full on good bullpen. Although you don't really have a long guy in that situation, I guess. I guess Alexander maybe would be your long man until September when you can bring some guys up that can do more depth. But probably, you know. Uh, but that's that's pretty impressive though. I mean, well, eventually they're going to have probably Travis Wood go back to the field yeah. too. We didn't think about that. So, um, but yeah, Pat Nechek, I agree with you, Jake. He's my number one when it comes to relief pitchers. And, you know, it may not be either of those two guys. It could easily be somebody we're not thinking of. Mm-hmm. You know, the relievers are so so tough to predict, and there isn't a lot out there about them. Now, I want to talk about uh, three potential, actually four potential starting pitchers. Um, the two I like best, I'm going to let you start with one of them. You've been researching this guy a little bit. Talk, t- tell, me, tell me and sell me on Scott Feldman. Well, Scott Feldman, I mean, he's on a one-year $2.3 million deal this year. So he's not – million yeah. and two. <laughs> yeah, we don't really have to worry about the salary there. I mean, he's a guy, his ERA is just under four. He's got 86 Ks and 102 innings this year. Um, and he's going to be a guy who's moved at the deadline. He's def- I feel like there's a pretty good chance he's going to be moved, almost certain. So He's in a hitter's paradise yeah. pitching, too. Yeah, so. and now, yeah, I think about him in our ballpark, and you know, I think he's a guy who could fill in nicely into that rotation and be maybe in the three or four slot for us. So He's kind of like, isn't he kind of like a poor man's Ian Kennedy, kind of a similar type yeah, pitcher? Yeah, 34 years old. Yeah. I mean... Struggles with the long ball sometimes. Yeah. Can strike guys out, but yeah, has, strike out pitcher. has outings where he strikes out nine or ten. And yeah. has outings where he gives up a lot of homers. And he gives so. up, strikes out one other <laughs> outings. Yeah, because Feldman's definitely going to, I'd say Kennedy with more strikeout upside, obviously. But. Yeah, I think so too. But Feldman, I, th- I think he'd be a nice, affordable piece where you're not going to have to give up too much since he's a rental and he's cheap. Yeah, a million bucks is nothing. I mean, yeah. that's, you got to figure, he may be the most sought. I don't know if that's true for that range of guys, though, for sure. I mean, there aren't going to be so. that many great starters available. So yeah. he could easily be the most sexy out of all of them as far as not paying the farm for him. So I'm with you. I, I mean, I would. You, are you all in for Feldman? I like Feldman. I, I think he's my number one starter that, I, yeah. that I'm after. I'd like to offer you Trevor Cahill as well, a Trevor Cahill. Um, <laughs> only owed $800,000 oh, in like a one-year that. deal. <laughs> a guy they're stretching back out this year, not going to give you a lot of innings. This is more of a five-inning, six-inning starter if all goes well. Three and three on the year with the Padres. Um, 3.38. Uh, which is good. He's pitching in a great pitcher's park, supposedly, yep. although we went in there and Padres Royals <laughs> hit like what? Was, did they hit like 12 or 13 home runs in three games it or did. something like it, that? It was like, it was kind of cool in San Diego that weekend, though. It was like you were a, there, it was, Yeah, it was like a jet stream blowing out the left field. So <laughs> it didn't take much. You got a ball up in the air. It was going to go yeah, out. Yeah, it was gone. <laughs> um, but Cahill, yeah, I mean, 3.38 in, in 50 innings, 63 Ks. Been very good. He's cheap. I mean, he... He's not. He's not Scott Feldman. Uh, Scott Feldman's a better option, obviously, because of durability, if nothing else. But you know, Cahill would be, I would think, pretty cheap. 
A lot of this, too, it just depends on who the buyers are. That's the problem, yeah. too. You don't know who you're going up against. Like some of these guys you might think are cheap end up being expensive and vice versa. Um, it'll be interesting to see, Jake, because there's so many people thought the Royals would be sure sellers. And like you said, in the American League, there's so many teams jumbled. There's probably only four to five sellers in the American League. And maybe four. there's probably only about seven or yeah. eight sellers in all of baseball. If you look at it that way, and so you, I mean, how many of those other twenty teams are buying? You know, are are ten of them just going to ride it out? You know, do nothing? Are twelve of them <laughs> going to make moves? Like it's going to be a very interesting trade yeah. deadline. Um, another name I like a lot, but it's going to be way too expensive. I feel like, and it's probably a long shot. Is Sonny Gray? Uh, Sonny Gray, a free agent, not until twenty twenty. So you get him for a couple of years. Uh, Three point five eight this year. Mill. He's got arbitration a couple more years. So you know you're, you're going to pay him a decent amount by that last year. Um, four ERA this year, uh, a FIP of three point five eight, so he should be a bit better. He's been injured, uh, but it's been pretty good he's lately. Been, he's been much better, yeah, since yeah. he came back from the injury. Seventy four Ks, seventy eight innings. I mean, uh, Gray when he's right is a, is a good number two major league starter. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, if you plug him in this rotation right now, he's uh, what your number three. Duffy I guess Vargas so, yeah. ahead of him. I mean, you put him, you put him above Kennedy. Yeah, I mean, they probably wouldn't, but I'm just saying talent wise. <laughs> Yeah, you know he's he, he'd, be your, he'd be your third best starter, maybe your second. I mean, it just depends how Vargas does. Mm-hmm. You always put Duffy above any of those guys, including Vargas, just based on stuff and what you yeah. what he's capable of every time he goes out from missing bats. But Sonny Gray, I mean, there's a history with the Royals and, and A's trading a lot, but the A's are going to want money and they're going to want prospects. Yeah, and I th- I think we'd have to give up quite a bit to get him, especially with club control for a couple of years. That might so. be Raul Mondesi if you want to get him. Yeah, that's yeah, I think so. I think so. So I, I I don't see it happening. I mean, it would be a, a big time splash for the Royals to get Sonny Gray, but I think you're going to see one of the one of the teams. You know, like I don't know who exactly, but one of the more top tier teams are going to go after Sonny Gray. Here's an, another name that is not going to happen, guys. But Royals fans, for some reason, are obsessed with bringing this guy back. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, Johnny Cueto. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Cueto is not coming back. Let's no. talk about this. I'll just give you a quick reason why. <laughs> He's signed for four more years. I believe he has the opt-out like Kennedy, but he's not having the year to opt out of it. Four, four more years. I mean, he's got a six-year, $130 million no. contract with the Giants. Now, he was phenomenal <laughs> last year, but this year he's got a 4.51 ERA, pitching in a pretty doggone good hitter's environment in the National League. So we always say you add .3 to .5 to an NL pitcher's ERA when they come to the AL, and he's proof of that when he came over. He struggled last time. because you, There's no pitcher. You're, you're facing a DH. You know, you're facing – an extra Jose Bautista or Josh Donaldson, an extra Carlos Santana, you know, on and on, an extra Aaron Judge type, Matt Holliday, whoever they put in the DH. I mean, you just go through all the teams. Last year, David Ortiz. I mean, you got so many great hitters in the American League with power that you're not facing in the National League, and he pitches in a pitcher's paradise, and he's got a 4.51 ERA this year. His, his FIP is even worse, 4.73. That's a 5 ERA guy the yeah. way he's throwing this year in the American League. I mean, with that kind of money, I mean, you could get him, you could get him for dirt cheap. You could probably – you know, give them Cuthbert, and they do it. That's probably an exaggeration. <laughs> but you you get the point, though. They can get them very cheap as far as player goes. Yeah. But, the, but they ain't going to get the money covered. I mean, the, no. The, you bring in Johnny Cueto, you're, there's no chance in hell you're signing Hosmer, Mustakis, or Kane. No, you, you do not want that salary on the books. No, it's in not going to happen. Just... You don't. And I, I don't, you know, he's not getting any younger either. I don't see no. I don't see that working out well really for anyone. But Realistically, Jake, <laughs> if he wouldn't have had, and he did have, two of the best five postseason starts in Royals history, had he not had those, he would have been a complete bust. Yeah. Because other absolutely. than those two games, he really was not that good. 
No. The first time around, and that was a few years ago now, a couple years ago now. <laughs> so, you know, I don't – I'm not trying to hate the guy. I love him. But, you know, I'm, I'm just being blunt here that it's not going to happen, nor should it. No, it would not be a smart move for us. Any other names you want to throw out there? Those are kind of, to me, some of the, the ones that are other than Cueto and Gray. I, you know, I think Gordon, Phelps, Nishek, Cahill, and Cueto – or not Cueto, you know, are all, are all possible. Cahill and Feldman, as a guy I forgot. So Feldman, Cahill, Nishek, Phelps, Gordon are all possibilities. I suspect the Royals will get one of them, honestly. Um, yeah. Do you have you heard any other names? Is there anything else you want to add? I mean, Quintana, I've seen, but that's an inner division. Yeah, thing. He's I, not I don't see that. that well no. Um, I mean, there's been a few other names I've seen. Edinson Volquez's name tossed around. He's got another year on his deal. Though. Oh, I prefer over Cueto. Yeah, I would have a better year too. If the Blue Jays, we'll see what they do Estrada. here. Yeah, Estrada and Liriano both are going to – I mean, if they struggle out of the gate here in the second half, I think both of them could be dealt, but I don't know. We'll see. They're both on the last years of their deal. So, But the Blue Jays also, if they start off out the gate hot, they're probably not going to sell anyone. Right, so, right. In That's the second the half because the wild card is, you know – There's 20 teams that are like – you know, yeah. I think what is it? Something like, something like 20 teams are within five games of a playoff yeah. spot or something like that. Yeah, so it's not a sure thing, but I guess those are really the only other two names I even had written down here. Okay, all right. Now, last thing is potential trade guys the Royals could deal. Um, and we won't get into this too much. People always say, what would it take to get so-and-so? I don't know because we there's so many variables. You don't know what the what – the, it's supply and demand. Right. Like how many teams are selling? How many teams are buying? How many teams need a second baseman? How many teams need a leadoff hitter? How many teams need a bullpen? Who gets hurt between now and July 31st from the contenders? You know, someone goes down, you know, God forbid Chris Sale gets hurt. The Red Sox are going to be looking for yeah. Marco Estrada or Quintana or Sonny Gray, you know, but if none of those guys go down and, no, and two teams decide not to buy, then all of a sudden maybe Sonny Gray slides into your price range. There's so many, you have no idea. Yeah. But yeah. the names you could see dealt, Jake, I'll give you a lot of them. Foster Griffin and Scott Blewett are the two best starting pitching uh, prospects in the Royal system right now. Foster Griffin. Saw him actually pitch last week in person at Double A Northwest Arkansas. Lefty, low 90s, but fantastic breaking stuff. Really knows how to pitch and command the fastball. Um, Scott Blewitz down in High A Wilmington, maybe possibly gets an, a move up in the second half of the year. You've got some other guys in Wilmington. Christian Castillo is having a nice year. There's several rotation guys like that. Josh Stamont's a possibility as a trade target. You would hate to trade him. Yeah. His future may be in the bullpen. He walks and strikes out everybody. Um, <laughs> Kyle Zimmer, the name is always there. Uh, Pitching-wise, if you want to talk about pitching, you've got guys like Jake Junis, Luke Farrell, and even some bullpen arms, a guy in the 40 like Andrew Edwards, who has upper 90s and, and really a high upside but hasn't quite gotten it all together yet. Um, and then bat-wise, Jake, you've got Mondesi, which I don't see them trading. But no. Mondesi, if you want to get Estrada or Sonny Gray, you're trading Raul Mondesi. Yeah. I, don't see, I don't see those guys coming into the Royals' price range prospect-wise unless, you know. And then, but bat-wise... I mean, Bubba Starling, maybe, possibly. I think they've got too much invested in him, though. I don't yeah. know. Cuthbert is a possibility. I'll yeah. put Merrifield as a possibility. I'll put Torres. Any of those guys are possibilities. I mean, Torres and Merrifield are kind of the same player. If they, Well, mm-hmm. not really. Which a lot better and plays more positions. But you get my point. They're both yeah. kind of utility guys. And if you do end up getting D. Gordon, you can't carry both of them. So maybe the Royals send back one of those guys in some sort of blockbuster trade for a David Phelps and um, – you know, a D Gordon. But, you know, I think you got to consider Merrifield and Torres and Cuthbert. Donnie DeWees, who the Royals got for Alec Mills from the Cubs, who's down in uh, northwest Arkansas, saw him play, by the way, plays a fantastic center field, has reads off the bat, Jake, like a major leaguer. I don't know if you saw him in spring or not. Did you? I did not get to see him, but I've heard fantastic things about him. Fantastic defense. Yeah. 
off the bat, he made a couple plays off the bat that I was like, wow, that's a big league play out there. So Dewey's would be a possibility. Uh, I think Ryan O'Hearn, a guy that's slugging the ball, Samir Duenas, a couple first base possibilities. And the Royals, that's the thing, another thing I want to point out. The Royals have, I'm not just name. I know any team can just name their prospects and make it sound like they have prospects. But these are players that have a lot of potential and use that I just named for you in the system largely. I think this Royal system is in a lot better shape than people think it is. There's no Moustakis, Hosmer knocking on the door, ready to be a superstar quite yet. But I think there's plenty of Whit Merrifield, Ramon Torres, Scott Alexander's, um, you know, on and on and on. Guy Bonifacio, guys that could come up and really make a difference and be solid players. So, I mean, any of those names stick out as guys that might be moved? Or are, you, are you with me? It just kind of depends on supply and demand. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just going to depend, you know, like you said, and what happens here the next couple of weeks, if there's any injuries with other teams and how many, you know, <laughs> how many different teams are going to be looking in the trade market now. Yeah, with the Royals, I mean, all the names you mentioned, now that you did mention that uh, about D. Gordon, I could see them sending Torres or Merrifield yeah. if they did for some reason decide to make yeah. that deal. I feel like that would make sense. But, um, and the Marlins would love Whit Merrifield because it's cheap. <laughs> yeah. And they've got him for four more years, and they could probably see the same thing that we see that he's really – not any worse if, you know, he's the same player. I mean, you could argue that Whit Merrifield is at, right now a better player to have because of the contract situation, and he's a little younger. I mean, he's I, 28. Yeah. He's not young, but. Yeah, no, I agree. And then I, I would hate to see Stamon or, or Foster Griffin go. but or blew it for that matter. Yeah, yeah, but those are the type of guys you'd have to give up if you're actually trying to make a big splash. I do think in, in closing, I mean, if you, if you want a guy like a Neshek, uh, a guy like a Feldman, those are kind of maybe the two of the better relief, Nietzsche being one of the better relief options, Feldman being the one better of the middle tier. Like I'm saying, realistic guys the Royals can get without giving up Mondesi. Those are guys, but to get a Nieshek or a Cahill, I think Cahill would be a little bit cheaper, but then again, Jake, if there's so many teams that are in it, yeah. a couple teams that, are, that don't really think they're going to win the division are going to throw their, their fans a bone to sell tickets. I could see them going after Cahill and driving his price way up because he's so dirt cheap. Somebody that has no money might say, oh, well, we're not going to the division, but we'll make it look like it. We'll go get him. He's we can afford it. It's only four hundred thousand dollars, right? You know, we'll just throw him. In. That that could end up driving up his value. I could see him getting more than you think he would to get him, as far as giving up prospect wise. I think, but to get a guy like a Feldman, Jake, I mean, I think you're going to have to give up a Blewett or a Griffin. I think almost. so too. That's kind of the kind of player that's probably going to do it. Yeah, because there's going to be so many teams who are going to be trying to get these few guys who are rentals like that, like Feldman and Cahill. So. Yeah, you may have to give up more than you even are hoping. Yeah, it'll be interesting, though. I, I do think my last question for you before we get out of here. By the way, did we hit an hour? We're about to. Uh, <laughs> my other question before we get out of here, um, how many total moves do you think the Royals make? Maybe one kind of major one and one kind of small one? Probably. That's why I guess. I bet they go out and get either, you know, I, I still think it's going to be a starter. I think it's going to be one of the starters, and then they may make a minor move to get, you know, I don't know, a reliever or some random bat. Like Justin Maxwell yeah. or Josh yeah. Willingham type. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. Something that's and not going to cost him anything. Change Do you have a certain date you think? Uh, this one I feel like could come down to the wire more than most of them because, like, you know, when are the when are the teams going to, like the Blue Jays, when are some of these teams going to decide if they're buyers or sellers? You know, the Twins, are they, you know, they've certainly got some prospects, so they think it's time to go in. I mean, that's the thing. It's I, I just, the earlier the better if you can make a move. Yeah, because you, know, you get the more time you have with them to make a move in the standings. But do you think it comes down to the, the, the wire here? I think so. Just so many teams who are going to give themselves two weeks to figure out if they're buying or selling. Yeah. So in two weeks, we'd be at what July twenty sixth. Yeah. You know, we're only a few days before the deadline. So I, yeah, I think it's going to come down to the wire. All right. Well, final prediction: Will the Royals a win the AL Central? <laughs> I know you have no way of knowing because you don't know what they're going to do. 
B, will they make the playoffs as a wild card if not? <laughs> I, th- You know, I'm sticking to my preseason prediction. We're taking the Central? Yep, I'm we're taking you. the Central with maybe 88 or 89 wins because I just don't think the Indians are are at that elite level that everyone else thinks this they were. literally come down to the last <laughs> weekend of the season. Yeah. We all say that every year, but <laughs> I, I feel like this year it actually might. So it'll be interesting. We'll definitely be with you. Uh, again, I apologize for not being with you quite as much this year. In the past, Jake, of course, I was there after almost every game. And, mm-hmm. you know, last year was kind of half the games. And this year I originally was hoping to do after every series. But we'll try to get with you at least three or three times a month. Life gets a little busy the older you get and the more – you know, things you have in your career and personal life. But we'll definitely be with you throughout the second half on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll definitely have you back on as well. Maybe we'll do something around the deadline yeah. as well to recap yeah, it. And that talk sounds about good to me. What could happen. All right, Jake, thanks so much. And thank you for listening. Remember, you can always follow us at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter, uh, Clubhouse Conversation on Facebook, and uh, the, the website's clubhouseconversation.com. You can also subscribe on there so you get all the new uh, stuff downloaded automatically into your iTunes. Have a great night. Go Royals.